What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every day, five days a week, free on all platforms. Make it part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen every day and tell your pals to do the same. In today's show, the Blazers go into Minnesota with a lineup that's not very good, and the Minnesota Timberwolves show them that the lineup is indeed not very good, a 43-point loss at the hands of the Timberwolves. We'll talk about that one. And then we'll answer the question, how many more wins do the Blazers have left on their schedule? They've got 18 remaining in this one. How many out there? How many dubs out there? That That's what we'll dig into in today's show. But first, let's do, our, we'll do what we do. Fastest recap in the West. The Blazers lose 124-181. And it was bad news early. Amphrey Simons did not play in this one. So the Blazers started Brandon Williams, Josh Hart, CJ Ellaby, Trendon Watford, and Drew Eubanks. First ever career starts for Trendon Watford and Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams, a two-way guy. Trendon Watford, a converted to a normal NBA contract from a two-way guy. Big opportunities for them. Uh, the Blazers had Greg Brown and Elijah Hughes back in the lineup to get a little bit of depth. And after having just eight players in Saturday's loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves, that was relatively close. But who they were missing was Anthony Simons, who had 38 in that game and kept the Blazers in it because he's darn good. Nobody else was darn good in this one. The Blazers got walloped down. They scored just 15 points in the first quarter. They were down 17, uh, excuse me, 27 at halftime. It was like, oh, this this isn't going to be good. They're down 30 entering the uh, fourth quarter. They don't really play. You know, they didn't, They Brandon Williams came back and played a little bit at the end, but the, the Blazers played the first half of the quarter with their, they're already playing the end of the bench as their starters playing the end of the end of the bench. The fourth quarter, they lose 124-81. Uh, that's your fastest recap in the West. Portland had no answers for Carl Anthony Towns. None. I mean, they didn't have any answers for him on Saturday night. The Timberwolves played this one without uh, Anthony Edwards still out. He didn't play Saturday and didn't play in this one either, but without D'Angelo Russell, who did play in Saturday's game, uh, the Wolves got back if it, like it matters, Patrick Beverly. But this was just about the Blazers. Just they're not, they, they're do They did not have enough NBA players to slow down Carl uh, Anthony Towns. They just, they have one center on the roster and Drew Eubanks is a, is a backup center and Towns is an all-star and he treated Portland as such. He finished with 27 points and 13 rebounds in 24 minutes. He was 8 of 14 from the floor, 10 of 15 from free throw line. Basically just got fouled every time he went in the paint because the Blazers had no other option for him and missed some free throws or he could have had an even bigger night in just 24 minutes. Uh, speaking of a size advantage, it existed with the backup center too. Nas Reed came in off the bench and had 18 points, 11 boards in 21 minutes. If you were big, you were feasting on the Blazers. Malik Beasley, who got kicked out of Saturday's game and then fined $35,000 for headbutting Drew Eubanks, 19 points, hit five of 14 three-pointers, uh, 11 points off the bench for Jordan McLaughlin. Wolves scored a 124, and the Blazers didn't score much. Just four players in double figures, uh, led by Brandon Williams, more than him and Mona. He had 27 points, eight boards, four steals in this one. Trenton Watford in his first career start, 11 points, seven boards, and three assists in 30 minutes. Uh, Calgin Blevins, 11 points off the bench, and Keon Johnson, 14 points and seven boards off the bench. Keon, th- three of 14 from the floor. Um, I thought his decision-making was really poor, but he's an athlete, and when he gets a straight line attack. He can get to the free throw line, made all seven of his free throw attempts. But uh, this, you know, the Blazers played a roster that might get clowned. They played a team that just, just, uh, you know, there's there was one guy who played in this game who is for sure going to be part of the Blazers rotation opening night next season. Uh, 
Josh Hart. Josh Hart will play. He probably won't start, but he'll play opening night next season. No one else who played in this game is going to be in the opening night rotation. Like, Trenton Watford, I guess, has an outside chance to be, but I project him more as, like, an interesting depth piece. But Drew Eubanks isn't going to be on the roster. Brandon Williams, the two-way guy, will probably get a two-way opportunity. C.J. Elby's probably not going to be on the roster. Greg Brown's, you know, developmental part. Elijah Hughes, not going to be on the roster. Keldra Blevins, not going to be on the roster. Ben McLemore, not going to be on the roster. Keon Johnson, again, like, end-of-the-bench developmental part. The Blazers are just not playing guys who are going to be part of an NBA rotation anytime soon. That's how you lose by 43. You put this team out there. Some positive stuff, um, because I, I feel like there's a lot of negative things here. One, this is the plan. Like, this is the plan. This is what the Blazers have set out to do. Maybe not lose by 43 or whatever, but they are trying to lose, and they're putting out a roster that is essentially incapable of winning. Mission accomplished. Hang that banner right up there. Like, it's... This is what they're setting out to do. So I'm not ripping them like, I can't believe they didn't bring it. Um, no, this is... This is Players don't tank. Organizations tank. And the Blazers organization has committed to putting out such a low-talent roster on the court that this is what you get. You get a 43-point loss on the road in which uh, the the fans in the third quarter were doing the wave. And according to John Krasinski of The Athletic, uh, so were the end of the T-Wolves bench. The T-Wolves starters or many of the T-Wolves rotation players were on the bench and they were participating in the wave. Um, I, I'm not sure I've ever, I've, uh, Krasinski, Krasinski said he'd never seen it. I've really never, I've certainly never seen it either. Um, it's probably disrespectful, but moreover, you play a roster that might get clowned. That's what happens. You might get clowned. It's, I feel bad for the, for the Blazers players straight up feel bad for them. That's, that's no good. Uh, this disrespectful and unprofessional and blah, blah, blah. But like, this is on the organization. If you don't want your team to get embarrassed and mocked on the road, you got to put a more competitive team out there. The organization doesn't have interest in that right now because they want to lose, and rightfully so. Yesterday's show, we laid out the importance of the of the Blazers losing. They need to lose, and they're really pursuing it, so good for them. But it has some unsavory results. Let's talk a little bit about some like real positivity, though. Brandon Williams can play. Like, he can play. I want to spend a moment on Brandon Williams. But before I do that, I want to tell you about BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You want to bet on the Blazers? Look, the spread's never going to be 43 points. I think there's some there, there's a market inefficiency in, in, in the Vegas maybe not knowing just how bad the Blazers might be. But if you don't want to bet on that, you can bet on anything else. The NHL's regular season and, and heading into its postseason. You can bet on soccer. You can bet on tennis. You can bet on combat sports, whatever it is. It might be. You're going to find it all at betonline.net. So don't wait. Go take advantage of this today. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. So we talked about the Blazers playing a lineup that might get clowned and then getting clowned. But here's some real positivity for you. Brandon Williams looks like an NBA player. Brandon Williams looks like an NBA player. This is back-to-back games where he has looked like he can be a contributor at the NBA level. He's, you know, he's a guy who, uh, you know, Tried to be a one-and-done player, and it didn't work out for him, and is now, at age 21, getting his first real crack at the league. And he's he's looked pretty good. The, like... The bar is a little bit odd. Like, admittedly, the bar is... is it's, it's a strange place, because... 
you know, Brandon Williams is playing in a 43-point loss, and he's basically the only one who can go get his own offense. You know, Josh Hart played in this game, uh, and he was two for 12, six points, one of six from three, had five boards and four assists. He's a complimentary part. Like, he's just a complimentary part. He can't scale up. You'd like to see Josh Hart score 17 in a game like this, right? Like, he did not play well. I'm not really excusing that. But, like, Hart's skill set is to complement other good players to make them better. So, Brandon Williams is, like, the guy who can go get it. He's the by far the player with the most individual offense on this team. But I don't. But we know that now. I don't think that was a, necessarily a given. But after back-to-back games against Minnesota where, where Brandon Williams has looked pretty good, I think his, like, this... As much as I'm, I'm, I'm sort of hating on the Blazers organization, I'm not hating on the organization. I'm calling it what it is. I think tanking is the right move for this team. But like, you lose by 43 and you look kind of, it's a little bit embarrassing. It's an intentional move. But I think in in this process, finding a guy on a two-way deal like Brandon Williams, who's, you know, who's 21, he's young, he's getting his first real crack. And like, you know, 21 on Saturday against the T-Wolves on 9 of 14 and then 27 on 7 of 18. I thought he left some points on the board, missed some free throws, got to the free throw line 16 times in this game. Nobody can stay in front of him. Like, he's, he's, little guys are like this in the league, right? You don't make it to the NBA if you don't have a little bit of juice, a little bit of pop. Like, you're just, you, if you're 6'2", and I think he's generously listed at 6'2", I would guess he's closer to 6 feet. Uh, it's like, you're going to, you are almost certainly going to be a good offensive player to even have a, a chance to to sniff this level of, of, of basketball. But Brandon Williams has proven that he's got like he, he, NBA players like, you know, Pat Beverly has a little bit of trouble staying in front of, uh, of Brandon Williams. He's not, um, you know, I don't project him to be this like starting guard or, you know, trade Dame, star Brandon Williams, but he has a path to being a backup point guard. And if you find that type of guy on a two-way contract, you can consider that a real success. The Blazers are kind of, they're in this like dart throwing era of, of at the end of the season where they're just trying to find some developmental parts. I think Brandon Williams is a reason enough to say, Hey, looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it, like I said, it's a strange bar, right? Because He's the only guy who can dribble and get into his own offense. They lost this game by 43 points. Um, you know, he had 14 in the first half and the Blazers scored 34. Like, he's he's the only guy who can go get it, particularly when Josh Hart was as bad as he was in this game. But I think Brandon Williams is, I think he's not worth, like, celebrating, but he's worth appreciating. Like, he, he, he looks like a guy who could, has a path to being an NBA contributor as soon as next season. I don't know if that's with the Blazers. Uh, you know, he's on a two-way contract that extends into next season so they can keep him if they want. And he's nice insurance because he's, he's looks like a pretty competent um, scoring scoring backup point guard. But, like, yeah, that's, in a, in a world where the team lost by 43, that... Uh, strikes me as something that's worth saying, like raising an eyebrow, a single eyebrow. I can't really do that, but a single eyebrow. If you're watching the, if you're watching on YouTube, I really struggled trying to raise one eyebrow there, like The Rock. But yeah, like I think this, this, the Brandon Williams development strikes me as something that you can raise one eyebrow at and say, hey, pretty good, pretty good. That that could be a useful part. They they discovered one thing here in this process. That's really my only takeaways from this game. But the other takeaway from this game is I'm looking at the this Blazers team. They're getting absolutely smacked. The you know the final I don't know 20 minutes of this game, maybe even longer, but maybe the whole second half, um, <laughs> maybe the final three quarters. Quite frankly, like this this game was decided. And I'm I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, how many more wins do they have? So let's dig into how many more wins do they have. Let's earnestly and honestly dig into how many more wins they have. The Blazers have, they are 25 and 39. 
They have 18 games remaining. Uh, seven of them are at home. 11 of them are on the road. And a, a really kind of stunning number, 10 of those games. Let me do my math real quick. Excuse me. Uh, three, five, seven, nine of those games. That's bad math. Nine of those 18 games are against teams below them in the standings. Like they play... They play Detroit. They play San Antonio three times. They play Houston twice. They play Oklahoma City twice. And they play the Indiana Pacers. All the Blazers are bad, right? They're they're 14 games below 500. They're, they've lost five in a row. Uh, they have not been within uh, single digits of any team in any of their losses after the All-Star break. Their uh, Every time didn't play in this game with a quad contusion. Uh, according to reporting from... Uh, Casey Holoff, Trailblazers.com. It's not serious, but it's not nothing. Like, they held him out because... He's got a bruised quad, right? And they're not trying to win, so they're going to be conservative with injuries. So it's you look at this team and you say, like, they're not, they're not good. They don't have a chance to be good. And yet the 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 schedule is so soft. They might like they might have to lean into this. They might have like maybe you don't bring Justice Winslow back, even if he's ready from the Achilles thing. You maybe you um you know maybe you bring Didi Luzada if he's back here in three weeks, but. Maybe you don't, uh, reporting with Jason Quick of The Athletic on this show, like that Eric Bledsoe could conceivably play. Maybe you don't because it's just too many easy games. But I wanted to dig in like as deep as I possibly could on sort of how many wins they they have, right, out of these 18. Seven at home, 11 on the road. Uh, they finish up t- uh, this road trip against the Utah Jazz on Wednesday. That is one of five games remaining in which 538 gives the Blazers a greater than 85% chance of losing. Like, they think it might be a beatdown. So this is what I decided to dig deeper into. Using the predictive models at 538, and they have two separate ones. They have Raptor and they have ELO or ELO. I believe it's the end of, or it's the beginning of Carmelo, but it's ELO uh, rating. Uh, without like digging too deep into the models, I'm not a big like stats modeling guy. I, I appreciate numbers and I think we can learn from them. And I want to use, use this as a sort of predictive tool looking ahead at the schedule with 18 games left, not as like a, this is set in stone and how it will happen. But, but with that in mind, the, the according to 538's projections, there are somewhere between five and six wins left on the schedule. And after watching tonight's game, I'm thinking that could potentially be a little bit generous. Seriously, it could be a little bit generous to say the Blazers have five wins. They're going to go five and 13 to end the season. But like I said, nine games against teams below them in the standings, it's pretty soft. Let's come back, close the show, talk about where those wins are going to come from. I got specifics for you. I got dates. We'll nail them down. I'll point to them. Where are the Blazers going to find five wins in their final 18 games? Still a Pats first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. How can Portland find five more wins in the final 18 games? You watch this team lose. They have now have losses this season, or losses after the All-Star break. Four losses by more than 30 points. 37, 32, 30, and tonight's 43-point loss at the hands of the T-Wolves. If Anthony Simons does not play uh, Wednesday against the, the Jazz, the Blazers are going to get mollywhopped. If he does play, the Blazers are likely to lose because the Jazz are just really good. In fact, according to 538, the Blazers have a 96% chance of losing against the... The projections can say the 96% chance to lose win probability for the Jazz. Uh, 96% chance the Blazers lose on Wednesday. 
that's a guaranteed loss. So where do the wins come? The first one could come as soon as Saturday when the Blazers return home for one game before heading back out on the road. They play the Washington Wizards on March 12th. And according to the two projections by 538.com, uh, these are, you know, statistical modeling website. They dabble in sports. They have uh, proje- player projections. Uh, and also they use those player projections and those sort of t- team modeling tools to project each and every game, and they also project the games going forward. This is a snapshot taken on March 7th, the evening of March 7th. This is Tuesday, March 8th show, but I I did this research on March 7th. A lot can change. Other teams get injured and all that. But the first win the Blazers might have on that schedule, March 12th, against the Washington Wizards, in which 538's Raptor metric gives Portland a 51% chance to win. Take that. who knows but like you know no Bradley Beal uh it's it's a whole lot of Kyle Kuzma for for the Wizards these days Chris Epps Porzingis who they traded for at the at the trade deadline he w- he will likely play in that game he's he made his debut earlier this week so you know they've they've got some players uh they maybe don't have that sort of dominant center but earlier this year with the with Dallas with the Dallas Mavericks Chris Epps Porzingis had 34 against the Blazers and made it look easy so any tall person could have a good day 51% chance though that's one of the Blazers best odds for the remainder of the season the ELO metric or ELO metric for 538 gives Blazers a 61% chance to win that game. So it's one of the better ones. Like this, that looks like a win, right? You you say March 12th, Saturday, I'm going to get my tickets. I'm going to go see a rare win. Uh, if the Blazers play Anthony Simons and Josh Hart, that's they have two NBA guards, and I think they have a puncher's chance against one of the bad teams. The Wizards, although they have a better record than the Blazers right now, are one of the bad teams. Um, they're not getting reinforcements. Like Brad Beal's not coming back. So uh, this season, he's probably, he's probably going to sign a max contract and come back for a long time, but he's not going to play Saturday. So if the Blazers play their roster, puncher's chance and Raptor, the Raptor metric and ELO metric at 538, give them a pretty good chance to win 50% chance or 61 for ELO. It could be a little while before their next win, but they might, they might have a chance to rip off some wins. Um, at one point, my friends, Jason Quick of The Athletic, said that the Blazers' season was Blazers' schedule was so damn soft at the end of March that he could see them winning 11 consecutive games. That was when they had, a, like, NBA players on the team, and it was prior to the trade deadline when they still had C.J. McCollum and Norman Powell, Robert Covington. It was like, we got to—I think the—, the uh, the Blazers front office also saw how soft the schedule was and said, well, maybe not 11 and 0, Jay, but too many wins in there. We need to get worse uh, in the near term. But that soft schedule, like I keep saying, still exists and it's right there. And so while it might be a little while from March 12th until March 25th, when the Blazers host the Houston Rockets for back-to-back games on March 25th and March 26th, the good folks at 538 think those are two more Blazers wins. The Raptor uh, percentage gives the Blazers in that first game of the back-to-back uh, a, a 58% chance win. ELO says the Blazers have a 76% chance of winning that game. The Houston Rockets the NBA's worst team, worst record in the league, playing a lot of young players, have been playing a lot of young players all season, are not good. The um, 26th, that's the second night of a back-to-back, Blazers a 60% chance to win according to Raptor and a 76% chance of winning according to ELO or LO. I'm just going to call it LO. 76% chance to win according to the LO metric. So both of those look like wins. 58% and 60% according to the Raptor are like as about as good as you're going to get here. But you won't have to wait too long for for the Blazers to win again because their very next game on March 28th, they host the Oklahoma City Thunder, one of a 
one of the teams that's uh, really going for the sort of developmental minutes and and draft pick accumulation and a sort of a long-term multi-season rebuild as opposed to the Blazers who are trying to rebuild in two months by aggressively losing. Blazers are projected to win that game on March 28th. That could be three straight victories. A 64% chance of winning according to the Raptor metric and a 71% chance of winning according to the ELO metric. That's March 28th. A week later, the Blazers go back to the game against the Thunder and uh, they're back to black Let me try that one more time. I am also getting blown out by 43 on this sentence. The Blazers play at the Thunder on April 5th, and that is their their final projected win of the season. A 52% chance of victory according to Raptor, and a 43% chance according to Elo. So not a guarantee. Obviously, 52% is like a toss-up, but the Elo metric says that the the Thunder at home against your Portland Trailblazers are going to win that game. I would consider that one just a straight up toss up. If both, if neither metrics can agree or if they don't sort of both lean one way, that seems kind of like the definition of depending on how you slice it, there could be, um, there could, it could go either way. Um, the only other one of note is the Blazers host the Spurs on uh, March 23rd, and the Raptor metric has the Blazers losing that game, 46% chance of, of winning. They have them straight up losing that game, but the LO metric has them 52% chance win probability. So like toss-up leaning Blazers with a home game March 23rd against the Spurs. So conceivably, March 23rd, March 25th, March 26th, and March 28th, that's Spurs, Rockets, Rockets, Thunder. The Blazers, four home games, four winnable home games against teams currently below them in the standings. Those are winnable games. The rest are a mess. There are games that straight up, according to these metrics and according to, I think, y'all, we've... I'm going to assume that you are, if you are listening to this podcast at this time of the season on a Tuesday when it comes out, or if you're catching up later in the week, like you are a pretty big Blazers fan or, and I'm going to assume that you've, you pay attention closely. If you're listening to this, I really appreciate you listening, by the way. Wow. Do I appreciate it at this time of year and under this context? Thank you. But like there are five games that the Raptor metric uh, projects the Blazers to just basically have no chance in the greater than 85% chance of, of losing an 85% cha- win probability for the opponent. That starts with uh, Wednesday's game against the Jazz. Uh, then there's March 14th at Atlanta, March 18th at Brooklyn, uh, March 20th at Indiana, a team that's not, not good. Um, and I think the Raptor and Elo metrics disagree on this one. I think it's, it's, it's closer to a toss up with Elo, but Raptor, calls at 86% chance for the Pacers as we sit here today on March 20th. And then at the Dallas Mavericks on April 8th also looks like a beatdown the last week of the of the regular season. Those are five games, Utah, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Indiana, and, and Dallas, where the Blazers are just, they have, you know, like a 15% chance of winning. Now, let like, I've given you a lot of numbers. I've given you a lot of win probability. I will say this. Win probability doesn't really mean anything. It's it's an interesting projection. It's more it's more like are they favored in any of these games? They're basically going to be slight favorites in two remaining games, potentially three, more than slight favorites in three of their final 18 games. You're looking at somewhere between five and six projected wins. Five wins would put them at at 30 and 52. Six wins would put them at 31 and 51. This is a 50 loss team. Holy heck certainly didn't see that coming. 
this is a different roster than the start of the year. This is a different roster they had in the middle of the year. This is a whole new thing. Like I said at the top of the show, they're basically playing one and a half dudes tonight who are going to be part of the of the rotation next year. Josh Hart's going to play. Trenton Watford is going to be in uniform, but like... I, I don't think he will, I would, if I had to guess right now, I do not think Trenton Watford will play on opening night because I don't think they will carve out space for him to play. I think he's a depth piece. I think Keon Johnson's a depth piece, Greg Brown, et cetera, et cetera. Like they're basically one rotation player. Uh, they're not very good and not very good somewhere between five and six wins. I, I what I, what I want to say, and I, I feel like I talk about this a lot with, with uh, sort of my basketball media homies is like, you, you know, there's always one game that they steal, right? You say, oh, there's no chance. There's no chance they're going to win that. That was like earlier this year when Brooklyn came here in that one-off game. Uh, it was like a back-to-back. Sunday, the Blazers played the Kings. Uh, they lost. Monday, they come back and beat the Nets, and it's like they shocked the world. That was a different flavor of team. Certainly, if Anthony Simons plays, that's enough offense and enough just like he's just good enough to go win you a game on his own if you're like relatively competitive on defense. I'm not even good. Like hold the team to under 130. Put Ant on the court, hold the team to 122, you might win. Not very likely, but you might win. Like, he's he's just that good offensively, and he makes everybody else better because he's scary, and teams have to deal with him. There's nobody scary in the lineup tonight. It's because Brandon Williams won, nobody's scary. So, like, I don't think this is a set in stone that the Blazers are going to win between 30 and 31 games. But you can look at the, you can, like, you can just look at it and know that, um, you know, if the Blazers are favored to to... <laughs> If they're picked to lose against the Pistons, picked to only win uh, one, maybe one out of three meetings with the Spurs, uh, you know, and the Rockets and um, the Rockets and Thunder games are essentially toss-ups. Although the Blazers are are straight up favorite, almost two to one against the Rockets, um, and 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 the Pacers in in Indiana and in, in Indianapolis against the Pacers. If that's a loss, like you're gonna have a hard time finding the one they might steal, like you. We've seen them play. They're just, you know, they're just not quite there. If Anthony Simons is on the court, sure, there's like a one you might steal in here. Okay, they go into Atlanta and the Hawks just can't guard anyone. And Ant gives Trey Young 43 again and the Blazers beat the Hawks in Atlanta. Sure, I can can dig it. But like, it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, if Ant has a, even if Ant even has a below average shooting night, the chance the Blazers win any game for the remainder of the season is incredibly low. I think... I don't think five is generous. Like, I think five and 13 are the final 18 games of the regular season sounds about right to me, just watching this team. Um, I think they're, they're you know, fully fully healthy as they are now. Like, if you get just Winslow and Ant back, yeah, they could beat all of the bad teams. Washington, Houston, OKC, San Antonio, Indiana. Yeah, no, like, sure. They could win every single one of those games. Or they could win every single one of those games. Not they will. I'm certainly not saying they will. In fact, I would pick against them. But this isn't... The Blazers aren't going 0-18. They're not going to end the season on a 23-game losing streak. Uh, there was a time, not too long ago, the end of uh, Damian Lillard's rookie year, where they closed the year on a 13-game losing streak. Uh, they came back the next season and were immediately very good. Uh, they signed Robert Lopez. They kind of found a starting lineup that really made sense. Dame morphed into an all-star, and they got good right away. Uh LaMarcus Aldridge was just not with the team. He was um, out doing his own thing. Um, and so, like, that team's a little different. You're not going to add an all-star LaMarcus Aldridge and, and you know, get healthy Wesley Matthews back and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think this final 18 games has much, if any, bearing on the end of the season. I just think, like, brace yourself because they're going to lose a lot. 
And even when they play these nine games against teams below them in the standings, they're liable to lose, you know, four of those nine, even them. Uh, and the other ones, very likely to go 0-9 because they're just not very good. It doesn't matter. It's good for them to lose. Uh, if you don't think it's good for them to lose, listen to yesterday's show. It's in your feed. It's the Hater's Guide to Tanking. It's all about why it's incredibly important for the Blazers to lose games. They're doing it. Mission accomplished. They've got about five wins left in them. So make sure you tune in Saturday against the Wizards because that might be your last time for a little while until the end of the month. That could be three more weeks before the Blazers get a win again. So if someone asks you, you know, gosh, are the Blazers ever going to win again? You say, mm, I heard on Lockdown Blazers that they might win about five or six. Hope this helps bring you some solace. It's okay that the Blazers stink, but it's real that the Blazers stink. We got uh, more shows coming later this week. Tomorrow's show is going to be a mailbag show that'll be coming out on Wednesday. We'll recap the game against the Jazz on Thursday, and I'm setting up a fun interview for Friday, so make sure you are back and checking out the program. I would truly appreciate it if you tell your friends to make it their first listen every single day, free on all platforms every single weekday, even when the Blazers stink. Lockdown Blazers keeps rolling along. So tell your pals to listen. Come back and listen tomorrow. Your first listen every single day. Appreciate you. Talk to you soon.